Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and today we're we're hitting a hot one. The One World Church, the One World Church, Revelation 17, 1 through 6, and then 15 through 18. Remember, we did the One World Government last time, which was sandwiched in between those two, the, the coming One World Government. Remember who that was? The revived Roman Empire. We already see it starting with the European Union. It's all set up completely. We also find another organization closely connected to this one world government, and that is a religious organization, Revelation 17, 1 through 6, then 15 through 18, the coming one world church. That's what we see here, okay? And a great book to read connected to this that we'll go into more detail on this is a book called A Woman Rides the Beast by David Hunt. A Woman Rides the Beast. I encourage you to read that one. Brace yourself. It's hard, hard, hard to see the truth, but it's it's true. I know this one will upset many of you, if not all of you, all right? But it's a vital, vital teaching. So I want to encourage you, listen to the end. No matter how upset you get at some point in this sermon, listen till the end. Because I think at the end, we'll all be pulled back together uh, because it's true. And we have to face it together. And there's a remnant church that we, we are, all true believers are part of. No matter what your denominational background, there's a remnant church. So hang on till the end. Uh, listen to the end. The, the one world church movement is spreading its tentacles all over the world right now. It's every denomination, every church, every individual is being attacked by this. I see churches that I never thought, thought would, would allow False teaching, they're allowing it in. It's sneaky. It's so deceptive. Denominations that are crash, crashing. I'm, they're trying to pre- prepare us. The One World Church movement is trying to prepare us to join the spiritual zombie movement. That's right. Spiritual zombie movement. We see, I see it even in evangelical churches, Bible-believing evangelical churches, ministries, national ministries that were once so solid. I see it everywhere that that we all worship the same god no matter what you know and and we all you know it's so scary it's so scary um let's pray father just pray that your holy spirit would open our eyes i pray that each person who's hearing this and seeing what the book of revelation teaches here in revelation 17 their eyes would be open they would be on their guard they would not fall to deception and not be prepared for the great deception i pray that we would not be spiritual zombies but we would be followers true followers of jesus christ we would put our faith alone in christ alone for our salvation i pray that in jesus name amen okay so uh, let's start off with verses 1 to 6. 1 to 6. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, <clears throat> Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead, Mystery, Mystery, Babylon the Great, 
the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth, I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Greatly astonished. So this is a prostitute. Uh, she's called a prostitute, so she must have a Christian origin because a prostitute is someone who leaves their, their, their marriage, their pure marriage. So it has to be a Christian origin connected to Babylon in some way, persecuting the true Christians, which is why John was astonished. Astonished, not because it was a communist or not because it was the Muslims. Or not. It was because there was a Christian connection persecuting the saints. It was, a, it was from Christianity at one point. That's why he was astonished that this was the woman who was killing Christians. So we have a one world church now. We see here we have a one world church interconnected with a one world government. It, it, with Christian origins, Christian trappings, but also connected to, to Babylonian paganism, persecuting true Christians. Let's connect the dots. I think many of you already are understanding where this is going because this is where the Bible takes it. It starts off in Genesis 10. In Genesis 10, verse 8, talking about Nimrod, where it says, Cush was the father of Nimrod, who grew to be a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The first centers of his kingdom were Babylon, Erech, Akkad, Kalna, and Shinir. So, we see Nimrod. We see Nimrod. And the word there, before the Lord, in the Hebrew, is it has a picture of against the Lord. It's, it's, it's tough to... to translate this but it's before but the idea is against the lord in the face of the lord in rebellion against the lord that's what the hebrew word means and that's exactly what nimrod was he was in rebellion against god he established babylon shinir which is babylonia and then we go to uh, chapter 11 now the whole world verse 1 had one language and a common speech talk about the this is the story of the Tower of Babel. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinir, remember Nimrod, connection, and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone. We'll come back to that later. And tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower and the men that were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they had begun to do this, this is not a positive thing, as we'll see later, have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will be un not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over the, all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So we see the Tower of Babel here. Oh, wait till we see the connections. It was a political attempt to unify the world under one evil ruler, Nimrod. Under Nimrod. And, and he, remember, Nimrod was against God. Think 
Antichrist, Revelation, Antichrist. It was also religious. It was also a religious movement. We can reach heaven, build it to the heavens. We can reach heaven on our own with without God. That's why God stopped it because it was a, a religious movement, as we're going to see here. And the the and after God judged them here, that's why God stopped them. After God judged them, the tower crumbled over many, many years. It took a long time. We've got some paintings here. But Babylon, the Babylon, Babylonian religion did not. It spread its poison. As people scattered over the earth, they carried the toxins, the poison, the poison of what Nimrod was teaching. You see, Nimrod had introduced idolatry in the post-flood. After the flood was over, the, you know, that was supposed to judge all the idolatry and everything that was going on. After the flood, Nimrod reintroduced idolatry. He was the great grandson of Noah. That's right. Nimrod was the great grandson of Noah and he introduced uh, idolatry, the belief in many gods and worshiping demons is what it was. He was so depraved. He became so depraved, this man, that tradition tells us that his great uncle Shem, remember the son of Noah, his great uncle Shem killed him. Killed him cut him up and mailed his body parts to different parts of the world as a warning for those who are wicked like Nimrod and were worshipping idols that had gotten involved in idolatry. But his wife, Simaramis, Simaramis, his wife, who was actually also his mother, that's right, Nimrod married his mother. You don't want to know. It's a sick, sick story. She was also depraved. So after he was killed, she became the high priestess of the Babylonian religion and the idolatrous religion that, that he had established. She also became pregnant because she was promiscuous. Great shock, married her son. Promiscuous. She, and she claimed that it was a miraculous conception. Said, I didn't have sex with anybody. I just had this baby, right? And see, you see, Satan can read. Satan can read God's word. He knows what's coming and he counterfeits. He knew, Satan knows that God is, he read the Bible. He knows God is going to uh, have a, a miraculous son through a virgin. Satan knows that and he's counterfeited. He tried to counterfeit this. He tries to counterfeit everything. He creates counterfeits all throughout the, the false religions and the cults and the world religions that we see through the idolatry and everything else. And so, Simaramis has a child and names him Tammuz. Tammuz. And she says, it's not just Tammuz, but it's really Nimrod reborn. This, 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 this miraculous baby is really Nimrod reborn. And they start to worship her in the Babylonian religion as the mother of God and the child as the son of God. And so the mother and son are worshipped. And you can see many statues. They've dug up many, many statues. Uh, the Babylon, look them up. You'll, you know, search on, search on the internet and you'll see these statues of a mother holding a, a son. And that's who they were worshipping. And as the Babylonian religion spread, the names changed, but the mother-son worship was central to the Babylonian teaching that spread into all the other different religions. It was Isis, and then it was Ishtar, and then it was Venus. But it, there was always this sun that she was holding. There's so many 
archaeological idols dug up of this. And another interesting, and you know where this is going, we'll get there. Another interesting feature of the Babylonian religion was confession to priests. They developed this whole confessional because they wanted to control the people. The, the, the Babylonian religion wanted to control the people. The rulers of these countries used it to control the people. And the high priest was called a pontiff. A pontiff. And Rome began, became in time, over time, as Rome is, became the, the main ruling country, world empire, they became ground zero for the Babylonian religion. Rome became that. It became intertwined with the state. The Babylonian religion became intertwined with the state of Rome. And in fact, Julius Caesar in 63 BC declared himself the supreme pontiff. The supreme pontiff, the Caesar, Julius Caesar did that. He was now the, the head of the empire and of the religion of Rome, which was really Babylonian. And, uh, and then Rome, not too long after that, crucified the, the true Son of God, the true Immaculate Conception, the true Son of God, crucified Jesus Christ, persecuted the church, but that didn't stop the church, the true church, from spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. It spread like wildfire. It looked like the Great Commission was going to completely be fulfilled in a very short time, around uh, around 300 A.D. Remember, we talked about that the, the population of the earth that was Christian was, was the largest population ever, ever, even up till now. It, the, by percentage, it was the largest percentage the Christianity was spread like wildfire and then Satan said if you can't beat them join them and in 300 AD Constantine converts he converts he converts and he starts to take over the the Catholic Church and he renames it instead of the Holy Catholic Church which we are all part of he renamed it the Roman Catholic Church Listen to the end. Listen to the end. And many joined this club because it was expedient to go along with, with uh, Constantine. He was in charge. He was the emperor. It was expedient. He actually had his army march through a river. And as they marched through the river, one of his priests declared them baptized in converts just from marching through that river. That was their baptism. This is what it got like. Pastors, the pastors, the shepherds, were replaced by priests, unmarried clergy and priests this was not in the bible at nowhere in the new testament Mm -mm. replaced by priests and where people had to then start to confess to these priests just like the babylonian priests they had to confess to these priests that's how rome controlled their their that's how rome controlled their people and the babylonian traditions began to creep in including the worship of mother and son they just took these statues of 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 the mother son worship and they said this is mary this is how the priests con- converted people. This is Mary and this is Jesus. You already have the statue. You just didn't know the real name. And, and people started to worship them. But you know, they weren't really worshiping the true Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They started to worship Mary. That's where Mariology crept in. Oh, horrible. The terrible abuse. Mary, I'm sure her heart is broken in having to see people 
praying to her and, and seeing her as co-mediator. And some even talk about her as being co-redemptor. Her heart is broken. She knows no one should be praying to her. We're supposed to pray to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. She is not the Queen of Heaven. She is not the, 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 the wife of God. That is, that is such blasphemous teaching. But it comes right from the Babylonian religion. And people started to pray to Mary. And, and they started to, to pray to this, these same statues, the Babylonian statues of the mother and son. They just renamed them. And they started to pray to saints, which is nowhere in God's Word. And the most serious is, over time, the Gospel was twisted. The Gospel was twisted. And work salvation replaced salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. The Bible could not be any clearer. For we are saved by faith from first to last. First to last. We are saved. Uh, I'm, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. For in the gospel, righteousness from God is revealed that is by faith from first to last. First to last, there, there's no works involved. It's simply by faith. We're saved by faith in putting our faith in Jesus' death for us on that cross and his resurrection to justify us. We put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. But what happened over time? The Babylonian religion crept in and people started to have to jump through hoops, religious hoops, and follow rules and, and, and do good works for salvation. It all got twisted, twisted. And then on top of this, the Roman bishop started to claim supremacy. He started to say, well, I'm the bishop of Rome and since this is, you know, we're the Roman Catholic Church and since this is the emperor picked us, I'm at the head of the church now. Not Jesus anymore. No, uh, well, Jesus still is, but on earth, I'm, I'm the head. I'm the head. And he called himself the Pope, which was a later three, four hundred AD addition. They tr- backtracked to Peter. It was all made up. It's not in, it's not in the New Testament. It's not in history. It was all made up. These popes were grasping for power. They wanted more power. But, but the Bishop of Constantinople said, wait a minute. We're pretty big stuff over here too. They said, we're not going along with that. I'm the top bishop. And they started to fight each other. There was actually two popes for many, many, many years until Constantinople was, was, uh, crushed by the, the Turks. Uh, there was the, the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church split into two and, and multiple popes were battling out, even fighting battles over history. It was crazy, crazy church history. Look it up. It's all there. It's all there. As Rome's power and glory fades, by 600 AD, Rome was in a state of decline. It was going to fall. But the church and the popes, who by this time weren't even Christian by this time, they grabbed for more power. You can study it. Even my, no Catholic would want to claim most of these popes throughout this time, all the way up through, you know, the Middle Ages. Oh, no, no, no. There were a few good popes, but the vast majority were apostate, political, antichrist. Even most of the priests were calling them antichrist. Many priests were calling them antichrist at this time. They were saying the pope was the antichrist. Roman Catholics, priests calling them that. Bishops calling that. That's how bad it had gotten. They knew. They could see it. Uh, Listen, the Reformation, you know, the, the, the recognition that the Roman Catholic Church had become corrupt and apostate didn't start with Martin Luther, you know? He was like the, the final, the final spark. There were many, many godly Christians and priests and bishops in the Roman Catholic Church, after it was named that, in the Holy Catholic Church, at 
constantly stood up to the Pope, stood up to the false teaching, stood up to traditions taking precedent over the Word of God, stood up to the Pope contradicting Jesus Christ and claiming you had to listen to Him and not to Jesus, that stood up to the false teaching of salvation by works and earning and, and jumping through these religious hoops. They said, no, we're saved by faith. Many, many Catholic Christians and priests and bishops stood up to this over time. And you know what happened to them? We'll get to that in a few moments. The, the, the Pope, uh, <clears throat> as Romans' power fades, 600 AD, the church, the popes grabbed for more power. The Pope actually took the title Pontifex Maximus. Maximus took the title of, of the, the pagan Roman emperor, and which came from the Babylonians. The, the they had pagan Babylonian origin. Actually took that title and still has it today. And, it, and, and then he starts to take political power at this time because there was no, the Rome was crumbling. So the Pope took political power. And this is when the woman rides the beast. She's dressed in purple and scarlet, the ruling colors of the Romans. This is when she starts to take this and she becomes filthy rich. Look at this vision here in Revelation 17 where she had precious stones and pearls. The church at this time became filthy rich and is rich to this day. No one has to guess what's locked up in the Vatican. Unbelievable. The gold, Then it talks about the golden cup with the abominable things. You read history, the Middle Ages, the popes, and in the the priests that that followed the Pope, the the incredible perverseness. You can't even believe they could had the sh- the gall to call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. These are murderous, horrible political popes that no Roman Catholic today would want to own them if they really knew the full story. And you can just read the history. It's right there. And every, secular history is unbelievable. Horrible, horrible what, what the truth of what these, these monsters became. But they, 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 they were just unbelievable what they did. And the persecution, we see the persecution, the blood of the saints. Listen, you know who's killed more Christians than anybody? It's not the Muslims. It's not the communists. It's the Roman Catholic popes using the Inquisition, the blood of the saints, talking about here in Revelation 17, the shock, the astonishment because of the blood of the saints. Did you know the very first crusade was not sent to the Holy Land, didn't fight Jews, didn't fight Muslims, didn't fight infidels. The first crusade ever, history, read it, was sent against evangelicals in France, what is now known as France, sent against the evangelicals who said, we don't believe the Pope is the leader of the church, we believe Jesus is. We don't believe... The traditions they're making up are are are, are what are uh, our authority. We believe God's word. The Bible is the authority. The Pope actually sent the the Pope at that time actually sent a crusade and killed thousands and thousands of Christians because they wouldn't follow along with his rules. It was horrible. Horrible. And, and over the years, the, the Inquisition that developed. Some people say, well, the Spanish Inquisition, it was there for a couple of years and it was gone. Listen, the Spanish, forget Spanish, the Inquisition lasted 500 years. Historical fact. It spanned 80 popes. 
and millions of people were killed. Millions were tortured, burned at the stake, burned alive for following Jesus Christ instead of the Pope. These people were tortured and burned alive for reading the Bible. If they were caught with a Bible in their own language, they were burned alive. Imagine that. My Roman Catholic friends, listen to me. They, they, and I, I have many great Roman Catholic friends, and I know many of them are Christians. Listen to me. They were burning. Can you imagine being burned at the stake, burned alive for reading the Bible in English? That's what they were doing, killing people for reading the Bible because the Pope's, these apostate, wicked monsters did not want anybody to read the Bible because they would see that what they were telling the people was direct opposite of what God taught them in His Word. And the biggest one being salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. It's not by following the rules and, and, and all these hoops they made them jump through and, and craziness. It was not by, they were burned for reading the Bible instead of following the Pope's traditions. And listen, the people being killed, the millions being killed from over those 500 years, the vast majority of them were Roman Catholics. They weren't burning Protestants at the stake. There were no Protestants until 1517. They were burning Roman Catholics at the stake. They were torturing Roman Catholics who said, no, I believe in Jesus. I can't follow this Pope who is Antichrist. No, I believe in God's Word. I'm not going to listen to these traditions that they're making up as they go. These non-Christian apostate Popes were making up as they go. He said, no, we're not going along with that. The Roman Catholics were the ones that were being killed. Yes, later on, after the Reformation started, they were killing Protestants too, but they didn't stop killing Roman Catholics. They didn't stop torturing Roman Catholics. And then they added the Protestants to that mix. The, the, the Those pro Protestants protesting didn't want to leave the Catholic Church. They, Martin Luther wanted to reform it, get back to the Bible. He wasn't perfect, but, but he had the right idea to get back to the Word and salvation by faith. And, and that, that's... That's the Inquisition kept on going for another 300 years after that. It, so many were, were persecuted by the church, by the church. And listen, the Roman Catholic Church has never officially repented. They say, oh yeah, we feel bad about some things we've done, but they've never officially repented of the Inquisition. They haven't repented. The Inquisition only stopped because their power was stripped. In 1860, the, secu the secular powers took over Italy and they said, no more Inquisition. And that's when the Inquisition stopped. In the 1860s is when it stopped. Italy had a secular government at that time. And when they went in, they found the Inquisition prisons in Italy and it was revolting. It was depraved. They were full of heretics. Roman Catholics in Italy, heretics. They were full of heretics. They were like concentration camps. They were sickening. They couldn't believe what was being done to these poor people in the name of the, the, the name of Jesus Christ in some twisted form. Now listen, I'm not saying all Roman Catholics are bloodthirsty. I have many, many Roman Catholic friends. Most of my best friends in this town are Catholic, but most of them don't know about this. And they would never support anything like this. They never would. Never would. And I tell my Roman Catholic friends and my Protestant friends, study the Word. Study the Word. Accept the teachings. If you're Roman Catholic, accept the teachings teachings that are from the Bible, but reject anything that goes against God's Word. And there's a lot in the Roman Catholic 
official teaching that I know many priests don't teach. I have some great friends who are priests. They don't teach the garbage. But but there's a lot of official teaching coming out of the Vatican that goes against God's word. Don't accept that. Don't accept it. Reject whatever contradicts God's word. Learn to discern now whether you're Catholic, Protestant, anything you are. Learn to discern now before the great deception comes because it's coming. Make sure you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you're saved by faith, not by following some church teaching, not by the church you go to. We are saved by faith. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. I believe many Roman Catholic believers will be part of the remnant church that we're going to see forming here that's going to be formed in, in opposition to the, the one world church with the apostate pope heading it up. I believe we're going to see many Roman Catholic church Christians in this remnant church. I see a hunger for God's word in many of them and I see many of them putting their faith in Jesus Christ. But I believe that the Roman Catholic Church, the the head of it, will get its former power back just like it had before 1860. It will ride the beast. It will will ride on the revived Roman Empire. It's going to get power from that and it's going to exert influence on the revived Roman Empire. Not all Catholics will be part of this monster that we see here, that we see coming here. Not all Roman Catholics will be part of this. First of all, one-third of of Catholics are born again. They say we know we're saved by faith alone in Christ alone. One-third. So you're going to be raptured by now. You know, and about half of Protestants are born again. Not much better than the Roman Catholics, right? Only about half. But hopefully by this time, mid-tribulation, the Catholics that are born again and the Protestants that are born again, we're going to be raptured up together with Jesus Christ. We won't be here. I'm hoping that's the case, that the rapture six 66% chance it will be done by now, right? I keep saying. But I believe that an apostate pope, boy, it's hard to imagine an apostate pope, isn't it? Look at what we got now. Uh, I believe an apostate pope will take the lead. He'll combine with the apostate Protestants, who are even worse than the apostate Roman Catholics. The, The Protestant church is worse. I have way more in common with Roman Catholics than I do with the apostate Protestants. Holy cow. Horrible. Unbelievable. I, I don't even get me started on the apostate, the mainline Protestants, and, and even, oh, it's unbelievable. I believe that this apostate Roman Catholic Church will combine with the apostate uh, Protestants, and they're going to combine with the world religions of all the world, the world religions, the cults, the, 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 the Mormons, the, the, the Jehovah Witnesses, going to combine with them all and form a one world church. A one world church which will prostitute itself with the Antichrist and the revived Roman Empire. Going to ride on it. Going to prostitute it and and going to regain their power that way. And you say, well, I just don't know. How could that be possible? It's being set up even now as as I'm preaching this. It's being set up. I'm just going to read you a couple of quotes. Uh, Pope. Here's a Pope in um, uh, 09. 2009, the Pope, religion must play a globalization role. Religious leaders of all faiths must play a role in ensuring that the spiritual and cultural aspects of life are not forgotten as mankind tackles the challenges of globalization, Pope Benedict said. 
the need emerged to elaborate a new world political and economic order, but at the same time, and above all, a spiritual and cultural one. That is, a renewed humanism, he said. The Pope said that while politicians, scientists, and researchers play important roles in the modern world, today more than ever it is necessary to place at their side, actually riding on top of them, at their side, the leaders of the great non-Christian traditions as well as the Christian leaders. (gasps) It's like reading Revelation, isn't it? Pope, Orthodox, Patriarch prayed together in the Sistine Chapel, same time. <clears throat> Same time frame. The wor- spiritual leader of the world's Orthodox Christians prayed with Pope Benedict in the Sistine Chapel and urged Roman Catholics and Orthodox to work together to combat fundamentalism. That would be us. And to promote religious tolerance. We will only tolerate you if you have the 666 on your forehead. Unbelievable. Uh, <clears throat> here we go again. 09 again. Pope Benedict uh, addressed at the University of Regensburg, 2006, said, I hope my, prof- 2006, I hope my profound respect for the world's religions and for Muslims who worship the one God with whom we promote peace, liberty, and social justice, ouch, and moral values for the benefit of humanity. Let us continue the dialogue between religions and between modern reason and the Christian faith. We all worship the same God. Uh, I didn't know that. The Bible doesn't teach that. It says that they worship demons. Uh, anyway, the church looks upon Muslims with respect. They worship the one God, living and subsistent, merciful and almighty, creator of heaven and earth, who has spoken to humanity and to whose decrees, even the hidden ones, they seek to submit themselves wholeheartedly just as Abraham in whom the Islamic faith readily relates itself submitted to God. Interreligious and intercultural dialogue is necessity for building together this world of peace and fraternity ardently desired by the all people of goodwill. That's not us. That's them. We're not. We don't have goodwill. Obviously, we want to follow Jesus. Uh, guard against all forms of intolerance and to oppose all manifestations of violence. As for us, religious authorities and political leaders, we must guide and encourage them in this direction. <laughs> are, you, are we really reading this? Unbelievable. But the ride, you're going to ride, this one world church will ride the beast, but it will be short-lived. The Antichrist is just using the church to get power, and then he's going to buck them off. Look what it says here. You're going to buck them off. Look at what it says here in Revelation 17, verse 15. Revelation 17 verses 15 to 18. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. Oh, going to hate him now. Hate her. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. We know it's Rome. All right. Uh, the, re- the revived Roman Empire, the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, so we see in the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to demand to be worshipped. He's going to say, ah, forget, forget everyone else. He's going to demand to be worshipped. Yes, all gods are, the, all gods are the same God and I am that one God. I am that one God. He will take the church's wealth. He will destroy this church. God will use the beast to judge the prostitute. That is what is going to happen. 
All right, let's see what I fell off of my phone. God will use it, the beast to judge the prostitute and then he's going to hammer the beast and the Antichrist later on. We're going to see all that chapters 18 and 19. Now, we have already seen, we already see this one world church and one world government coming. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open to see what is coming. With the e European Union, the European Union, one of the pictures that it has used to, to, uh, to promote this unity of the one world government, one world religion, is, it's the founders of the European Union used the picture of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. They actually took that picture of the Renaissance pa painter Peter Brugel, Brugel, I'm sorry, Brugel, and, and, and on some of its posters, it put the, it, uh, a picture based on his painting of the Tower of Babel with a phrase in French, many tongues, one voice. <laughs> See the twist? Uh, many tongues can't redo what, undo what God did, but one voice. We're still one voice, Tower of Babel. In fact, look at this picture. This is the original picture painted by Peter Brugel, uh, and you see the Tower of Babel. Now, let's look at picture number two. Picture number two, which the European Union has taken and used. And look at the slogan there. Europe, many tongues, one voice. Many tongues, one voice. And now let's look at a third picture where they signed the Constitution of the European Union. Look at the picture, unbelievable. The signing of the, 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 the signing of the, uh, the European Constitution. It was right in front of the bronze statue of Pope Innocent the Tenth. Pope Innocent the Tenth right in front of this huge statue. Look what... You, this, we can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. And Pope Innocent was not so innocent. He, ser he served the Inquisition and really made it happen. He was a master politician who manipulated for power. It's no accident. This, that, no accident that this innocent is right, not so innocent, innocent is right behind them as they sign this. He, it's, it's a picture of the coming apostate pope who will ride the beast, ride the European Union, ride the revolved, revived human, uh, revived Roman Empire. Uh, they're rebuilding the Tower of Babel. That's what the European Union, the revived Roman Empire, that's what their goal is. Their spiritual goal is to rebuild the Tower of Babel, we don't need God. The Babylonian religion has never been stronger than it was way back with Nimrod. Never been stronger. In the USA today, it's here today. We can get to God our way. We can get to heaven our way. You talk to anybody, you're out witnessing, sharing your faith. Everybody's got their way, going to do it my way. That, that is... That is what is, it's never been stronger. The Tower of Babel was made with bricks. Remember I said, pay attention to that. Made with man-made bricks. Man-made. The Babylonian religion is really about, all about works. Man-made. Pick your own God. Pick your own way to heaven. Pick your own stairway to heaven. You know, climb your stairway to heaven. Versus in the Old Testament, the altar was not made out of bricks. It was made out of uncut stone. No human work on it. No human effort. Uncut stone. No human effort. Just like Cain killing Abel. Why? Because Cain was was human effort. It was the works of his hands. What he grew versus Abel who sacrificed the sheep. And that's what God 
accepted the sacrifice of the Lamb. And that is a picture, no human effort. On that altar, that altar of uncut stone, God demanded that a lamb be placed and it was a sacrifice for sin, looking forward to God's ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and there's nothing we can do. It's, we, all we can do is put our faith in the Lamb, Jesus Christ, that was sacrificed on the cross in our place. Nothing we can do. Nothing to earn God's favor. Nothing to, to earn our salvation. It's all been done. All we can do is put our faith in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Nothing we can do. It doesn't matter if you're Roman Catholic. doesn't matter if you're Protestant. doesn't matter what you are, what denomination. It, you, we must be saved by faith. Faith alone in Christ alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Not by works so no one can boast. Now, does it mean works don't mean anything? Oh, sure they mean something. They show that our faith is real, but they don't save us. Verse 10, right after saying not by works so that no one can boast, says, verse 10, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are saved so we can do good works, but they come after salvation. They have nothing to do with salvation. It's by putting our faith in God's grace, not by works, so that we're saved, though, so we can do good works. Very important. Very important. If we don't have any good works, it means our faith is not real. It doesn't save us, but it shows our faith. All it can do is disqualify. It shows us our faith is not real. If we are truly saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, good works will follow. Our, a changed life will follow. That is the proof that we have truly put our faith in Jesus. But it's faith alone in Christ alone that saves us. It, it doesn't matter wh who you are, what you are. We all must be, be saved by faith in Jesus. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, have you been saved by faith alone in Christ alone? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus, His death on that cross, His resurrection from the dead, His death to, to take our sins away, and His resurrection to give us a brand new life, to justify us in God's sight and give us a brand new life? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Or have you been trying to earn it be good enough, get baptized, go to church, jump through religious hoops, follow the rules. If that's what you've tried to do, try to be good enough. We can't be. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory but and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We, we all fall short. We are only saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. You can do that now, I hope that if you aren't sure, you do this now. Do it right now. The prayer of faith, the simple but powerful, life-transforming prayer of faith, God, I ask you to forgive my sin. I repent. I repent of my old life. I repent of my sin. I repent of everything in my life that goes against your word, everything I've ever done or ever will do. I repent. I ask you to forgive me for everything because I'm putting my faith in 
your son, Jesus. I'm putting my faith in his death on the cross. I'm putting my faith in his resurrection from the dead. I'm putting my faith in your son, Jesus. I give my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, that something amazing has happened, you have been saved from your sins. You have been given eternal life in Jesus Christ. You have been given a brand new life right here and now, this very second. Eternal life doesn't start when you get to heaven. It starts the moment you put your faith in Jesus. You get a brand new life and you have the the Holy Spirit's power to transform and live a whole new way. To live like Jesus Christ. to, To fulfill His purpose for your life. It's important that you tell somebody so they can give you a Bible and get you reading and so they can help you grow spiritually. It's important that you tell somebody because we're, they'll be excited for you. Maybe you have a family member who's been witnessing to you. Maybe you have a friend. Maybe somebody at work. Maybe somebody at school. Somebody. Tell somebody so they can be excited for you and help you to grow spiritually, encourage you. If you don't have anybody to tell, tell me. I'm at nhcc at comcast.net. Email me. I'll get you connected. I'll be excited. I'll get you connected. I'll get you a Bible. I'll get you growing. For those of us who have already put our faith in Jesus Christ, already done that, how have we been deceived? The tentacles are constantly coming at us. The world constantly, the Satan constantly, the flesh constantly, sin constantly trying to, to soften us up and to blind us. To take away our spiritual eyesight. How have we been deceived? How can we start and say, God, open my eyes to the deception. Open my eyes to the lies. Keep my eyes open so I don't, so I don't fall to the, to the, the world trying to conform me, that I would be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I wouldn't be conformed. Help me, Father. And, and Father, especially we pray that every one of us would have fruit that there would be good works in our life that would prove that we have truly put our faith in Jesus Christ. That those good works that Paul talked about in Ephesians 2.10, that that would be part of our life and that would give us the reassurance that we really know Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We're not slowing down. Chapter 18 next. We have chapter 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Woo! A couple more rough ones and then Jesus comes. Can't wait for that one. All right. See you next time. God bless.